0: Hi, my name is Wyatt, and this is my church. Today I'll be reading from Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Hello and welcome to the weekly gathering of Christ Community Chapel. My name is Zach, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you're here with me this weekend, whether you're here in the West Service or over in the East Service or watching online, thanks for being with us. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We appreciate you and value you. Uh, You are a tremendous blessing to us all. Uh, But I also want to take a second and say that I know this day can be super complicated for a lot of people. You know, you can, it can be a day of mourning, the mom you've lost, the mom you never had, the mom you never got to be. Uh, Wherever you are on this day, whether it's a great day, of met expectations and excitement, or a disappointing day, or a day of hurting, or some mix of all of that. I want you to know that we love you, and we value you, and that your identity is not wrapped up in the role you play in a family, or the role you don't play, but rather it's that you're made in the image of God, and that he loves you, and so do we. So thanks for being here. Uh, I also am excited to continue our sermon series We're calling it the Summer of Generosity. I know it's not quite summer yet, although the weather is getting better, that's good. But this series is what we call a Breathe Out series. We are asking God to do something in us as a church that we can then exhale into the larger world. So we have in mind getting ready for a Summer of Generosity. So this is a preparation series headed into the summer. And I know when I say generosity, if you're like me, your mind instantly jumps to giving away your money. And you know, that series may happen one day. I mean, after all, the Bible has a lot to say about money and we'll certainly end up teaching on that. But that's not the generosity we have in mind in this series. Instead, we have in mind, in some ways simpler and in other ways more complex, ways of being generous to those around us. Ways that each one of us, regardless of our financial status, can affect the larger community, can actually be part of changing the world. So the first week of this series, we looked at being generous with our forgiveness, at being agents of reconciliation in our families and in our communities. Last week, we looked at being generous with our encouragement, appreciating those around us, who God has made them to be. And this week, we're going to be talking about hospitality, So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to take it out and open it to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. We're gonna look at one verse, verse two. It's perfectly okay to pull out your phone or your tablet. If you're watching online, you can just Google Hebrews 13. By the way, if you're new to church and you didn't bring a Bible, I want you to know that we have Bibles available to you in the pew in front of you or in East Hall in the back of the room and actually use one of those Bibles. And the reason why I do that is so that I can tell you Today's reading is on page 949, so you don't need to know your way around the Bible, you just can get there by using the numbers. And by the way, if you are here today and you're new, especially if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, with church, with Christianity, we're really glad that you're here. Even if mom made you come. Okay, we're glad you're here. And so is she. All right. So is she. Thanks for being here. You're welcome anytime. And if you'd like a Bible, if you don't have one, uh, you can stop at our Next Steps area in the atrium and just say, hey, uh, I would like a Bible. They'll give you one. And if you don't know where to start, I would recommend you start in the Gospel of John. Just use the table of contents, find the Gospel of John and read it. I think it'll change your life. If you get time this week, I think it'll change your life. Give it a try. But we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 13, looking at hospitality. Three points I'm going to use as an outline to guide our time together. They're going to sound very similar to the outline from last week. We're going to talk about, first, what is hospitality? Second, why does it matter? And third, how do we become hospitable? Okay, what is hospitality? Why does it matter? And how do we become hospitable? All right, let's start with what is hospitality? I don't know what you think of when you hear the word hospitality. If you're like me, I tend to think of two things, neither of which have anything to do with what the Bible means when it says hospitality. The first thing I think of is the hospitality industry. So I think of restaurants and hotels, a whole industry that exists to create a faux appreciation of me, right? So that when I walk into a restaurant and they say, oh, it's so nice to see you. I know they don't mean it, right? I know what they mean is it's nice that you've come here to spend your money, but I'll take it. Okay, I'll take it. And when I go to a restaurant or a hotel, depending on you know, what I expect and the quality or the price, I expect to be treated like a guest, like they are glad that I'm there. I think of the hospitality industry or i think of something like martha stewart you know i think that hospitality is when you fold the napkins to look like swans right or or at my house it's when my wife says get the plates and i grab the plates and she goes not those plates right and i realize oh okay this is hospitality we're upgrading i have to check the forks for spots i, I it's the one time a year we look under the couch right it's I have to do all the things that we do when we're having guests over because hospitality means giving people your best. Well, neither of those things are bad, but neither of them are what the Bible means when the Bible talks about hospitality. It means something different. Some of that is because of the context I mean, nowadays, when you travel, uh, you don't need to know someone in a city. You can just show up at a restaurant or a hotel and they'll treat you like they know you. They'll have food for you and a place for you to sleep. Also, we're a transient culture. So odds are, if you're going to a new city, your college roommate might live there or you have a cousin or a Facebook friend that you can connect with. But the time the Bible was written, uh, that wasn't true. People tended to live live in one place their entire lives. Their social network was within the context of their local community. So when you traveled, not only were there not restaurants or a variety of hotels, uh, you were desperately in need of someone to take care of you. And typically that would mean depending on the kindness of strangers. And there was a moral expectation because the idea was if, if I'm not hospitable to you when you're traveling, you could die. There's not a grocery store for you to go get food from. You know, you, you need a place to stay. You need food to eat. And the idea was I would show you hospitality because this time it was you traveling and I'm the one who lives there. But next time, I could be the one traveling. So there was this social idea of, hey, if we don't care for each other, then we won't live. Hospitality was kind of literally about survival. When the Bible pictures hospitality, it has something larger in mind than a restaurant or a hotel or even napkins that are folded like swans. In fact, you you can get this concept from the original Greek term that's used here that's translated hospitality. Now, I have to tell you, I I don't use a lot of Greek words when I'm up here. Uh, That's because I don't want your eyes to glaze over the way mine did when I was in Greek class in seminary. But this time, it's especially relevant because the word here that's translated hospitality is actually the amalgamation or mashup of two different Greek words. It's very interesting. The first word is the word for brotherly love. It's the word from which we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The second word is the word for stranger or foreigner. It's actually the word from which we get xenophobia, the fear of strangers or the fear of what's foreign. What the writer is literally saying when he says, do not neglect to show hospitality, he is literally saying that in the Bible, hospitality is to treat strangers like their brothers. To love strangers like their brothers. Philadelphia and xenophobia, to put those together and to love strangers like their brothers. The the biblical idea here is that when we see a stranger, we don't think of them as any different than a brother. In fact, if you follow the logic of what he's saying, he's not just saying treat strangers like their brothers, that actually the biblical idea of hospitality is that the hospitality is the art of turning strangers into brothers. That hospitality is whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we leverage, whatever we give in order to take someone who's a stranger. And actually take them from a stranger to a brother. That The command here, the idea here, is that as Christians, when we see strangers, we should see them as opportunities to become brothers. When we see strangers, we should see people that we are meant to love as family and to love in such a way that they become family You see, this is meaningful because if you want to open a great hotel or a great restaurant, all you have to do is go to a small business seminar, buy a best-selling book. If you want to learn how to fold napkins into swans, I guess all you need is YouTube, right? But the biblical idea here is that you and I would see a stranger and think, it is my responsibility, what God wants from me, What God expects from me is that I would love that person as though they were family, and in fact, I would love them in such a way that they would become family. The biblical idea of hospitality is much greater. You might wonder, well, why? Why is that so important? Why would God ask us to do such a a, a difficult thing? Well, that's my second point. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that we show hospitality? Why is that so important? Why does the writer of Hebrews challenge us to not neglect turning strangers into brothers? Well, I can answer that question best by asking three questions of my own. So let me start with this one Have you ever been a stranger? Have you ever had that experience? Like, when I think about being a stranger, I think of two things from my own personal life. The first is, from when I was in kindergarten to when I graduated high school, I went to six different schools. My family moved a little bit when I was growing up. Now, that's more than some, less than others. But if you've ever moved to a new school, you probably know that the scariest moment, the loneliest moment, is the lunchroom. Have you had this experience? see, when you get to school, you have to go to class and class is structured, right? There's somebody else who's planned what's happening and, and there might even be assigned seats and, and, or you just take an empty desk and you don't really have time to be social so it doesn't matter if you know anyone because the teacher's gonna talk and then you're just trying to get to your next class and, and make it there. It's the lunchroom when you, you get your tray or you have your lunchbox and you look out on a sea of tables. Each one of them feels full Each one of them feels dangerous, and you don't know what to do. Do you just sit down at a random table and hope that they welcome you? What if they don't? What if you sat in the bully's chair? What if no one talks to you the whole time? Well, that'll be weird, right? You will be... Weird, do you sit by yourself at a table with no one else? Is that weirder? Will everyone wonder why you're antisocial? These are all the thoughts running through your head. It's an incredibly lonely and isolating feeling. It's awful. By the way, by the way, if you're here and you're a Christian and you're a teenager, middle schooler, high schooler, make space for that kid at your table. You'll change their life. I'm serious. Make space for them. Make them welcome. Push your kids to do that, parents. But it's isolating. It's lonely. You feel like everyone else belongs. Everyone else is family. But you, you are the stranger. The second time I've felt this way in my life is when I've traveled overseas. Between my junior year and senior year in high school, I spent most of that summer in southern Africa. And I remember while I was there just feeling very dependent on other people. Didn't speak the language, didn't languages, didn't know the customs, didn't know where anything was. If I was going to get from A to B, if I was going to just do anything, I was dependent on the kindness of people who belonged because I didn't. And I didn't know anything. And if you've ever really traveled, like beyond a a guide or an itinerary or a cruise ship where they're going to steer you, if you've ever kind of been in a foreign place and you don't know the language and you don't know where you're going, you feel like a stranger. You feel like everyone else belongs. And you are the one who doesn't. My point is, in those moments... In those moments where you're a stranger, you are utterly alone, you are isolated, you are lonely, it is not good. It is not good. So is it any surprise then that the God of the Bible would say, don't neglect to see those people, that kid in the lunchroom, that person who doesn't speak the language, that person who doesn't know where they're going, that person who's by themselves. By the way, let me just say this. That that lunchroom experience feels particularly juvenile, right? But it isn't. It isn't. As adults, we experience that in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. It's it's sitting by yourself at the Little League game. It's the work function where you're in the corner. It's any space where someone is in danger of being left out, when someone isn't belonging, when someone is a stranger. And if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm describing. Here's the second question. Have you ever made a brother? Do you know what I mean by that? Some of you might have friends that you, you've been friends for so long, you don't even remember when you became friends. You know? Maybe you've lived here your whole life, and, and you met your friends sometime between the sandbox and kindergarten. Right, you don't remember when they've just always been your friends. That's not true for most of us. Most of us, when we think about those that we're close with outside of our family, we remember when we didn't know them. We remember when they were a stranger. We remember the process of becoming brothers. One of my closest friends in all of the world is Pastor Ken Prabucki, who's on staff here. We met seven or eight years ago. Ken and his wife were visiting a church where I was a pastor. And Amy and I, my wife Amy and I, invited them to dinner at our house. Now, what I didn't know at the time, and I've come to respect, is that Ken has a supernatural appetite. Okay? What you're hearing me say is, bless his heart, he eats a lot. That's not what I said. Okay? Now, Ken takes care of himself. He's in great shape. But he eats like an elephant. So a lot of times when we have guests over, uh, my wife will make something that she's really proud of. And and this particular time we were having guests over, and she was making these Thai lettuce wraps that are amazing, by the way, and colorful and beautiful. And we had them on the good plates, right? There were no spots on the forks, and and she sets them out, and and we eat them. Most of us in a normal pace can devouring it, right? And what I didn't know at the time, but I have come to know now, is that Ken thought that was an appetizer. <laughs> and so we, we finish eating and, and he's like, looking around, you know? Is the second course coming? Did we order pizza? What's, and, and I'm sure he and his wife are exchanging looks, you know, like when you're married and he's looking at her like, surely there's something else. <laughs> and she's looking at him like, uh, you're dead to me if you say anything, right? <laughs> And there wasn't anything else, that was dinner. It was a normal human meal, it was dinner, right? <laughs> so Ken was a stranger. We didn't know him, we didn't know, right? Now, eight years later, we're such good friends that when I go to dinner with him, which I try to do as often as I can, because again, he's so, so dear to me, uh, I, I actually enjoy the experience when he orders, and then the waiter or waitress thinks he's done, and he orders again, you know, it's awesome. <laughs> It's awesome. And that's because we've gone from strangers to brothers, right? I'm in on the joke now. I I know about his incredible appetite. And look, Ken is so close to me. I've probably cried in front of Ken more than I've cried in front of anyone. He's an incredible friend. I can call at 3 o'clock in the morning if I need him. But it took time to go from a stranger to a brother. And the truth is, any brother or sister, non-family that you have, you had to go through that experience to get there. Is that not true? None of us have relationships without a willingness to take a stranger and allow them to become family. None of us became family without someone else loving us enough, even as a stranger, to move us from one to the other. And that's kind of my third question. How did that happen? How did you go from stranger to brother? Because that is hospitality. That's what the Bible means. It's that decision. It's that choice that says, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of you. I'm not going to pretend I don't see you. I'm not going to pretend that your loneliness isn't my problem. That's it. That's it. It's a choice. It's not about having people into your home, although it can include that. It's not about spending money, although it could include that. It's about bringing your chair and setting it down next to another person at the t-ball game because you actually care to know them. It's about knocking on the door of your neighbor and saying, hey, I know I've lived here for two or three years and I'm embarrassed to say I don't know your name. And that's not okay. It's an act. And it's a choice. Let me give you a great story. This went viral. You might have heard this. Netflix is turning it into a movie, but it's such a great example of this. There, there's a story about an elderly white woman who sends a text to her grandson, or so she thought. You might have heard this story. And she says to him, hey, Thanksgiving's at my house this week, three o'clock. See you there. Well, she was actually texting an African-American teenager. And he texted her back and said, who is this? And she said, it's your grandma. And he said, I don't think it is. (laughs) And she said, I'll send you a picture to prove it. She sent him a picture and he takes it back. I really don't think it is now. (laughs) Right? And then he said this. I love this. He said, but can I still come get a plate? And you know, in that moment, she has a choice, right? Retreat from what's unfamiliar, retreat from what's different, retreat from what's unexpected, or lean in. She texted him back and said, of course you can. Grandmas feed everybody. So he came to Thanksgiving dinner. That was eight years ago. They've had eight Thanksgivings together. not amazing? And here's what's even cooler than that. I mean, this part's not cool, but you're going to see what I mean. Three or four years after their first Thanksgiving, her husband passed away when she was alone. And she will say that one of the things that helped her get through it was the relationship she formed with this young man. He became family. He became family. See, what the writer of Hebrews is challenging us is to understand that it is incumbent upon us as Christians to make that choice to act upon the understanding that it's awful to be a stranger. It's awful. And to decide that strangers only become brothers when people love them. And to decide that we are those people. The writer is saying it is inherently, distinctly Christian to see every stranger as an opportunity for family. I want to say that again. It is distinctly, inherently Christian to see every stranger as an opportunity for family and to understand that the gap between stranger and family is ours to bridge. That's the call here. It isn't to fold swans from your napkins. It isn't to open a restaurant. Instead, it's to say, if you're a stranger today, you won't be a stranger tomorrow. Now I want you to understand this is not a call to extroversion, you need to hear that. I'm not asking you to be a rabid extrovert. I'm asking you, and what the writer of Hebrews, more importantly, is challenging you, is to understand that whatever your yes is, whatever that act, whatever that choice that God is calling you to, that face he's put on your heart, that house on your street he's put on your heart, whatever that act is, whether it's showing up and being the life of the party, or it's showing up with a plate of brownies, looking down at the ground because you're shy and saying, I'm sorry that I've never met you. Listen, we go to T-ball games. My wife, Amy, is like the mayor. She knows everybody, both teams. That's not me. I sit in my folding chair because I'm uncomfortable making small talk with people I don't know. I know, it's a weird thing for someone in my job. (laughs) Hospitality is not going to look the same for the two of us, but neither of us is exempt from it. God is challenging each one of us to see strangers as an opportunity for family. And I just want to press in to say that the word is a mashup between brotherly love and xenophobia. And the reason why I say that is because we're in a culture that is always telling us, they're bombarding us, us and them. These people and those people People from this country and people from that country. People of this ethnicity, people of that ethnicity. And listen, we have got to stop letting them force us into those categories because the biblical categories are stranger who will soon be family and family. There is no one exempt from our love as Christians. There is no one whose loneliness is not our problem as Christians. Now, when you define hospitality like that, it feels hard. I think I'd rather form napkins into swans, to be honest with you. So, that leads me to my third point, which is to say, how do we become hospitable? How could we become those kinds of people? That's scary, that's hard. There are two ways. The first is I want you to realize this is exactly what God has done for you. You have to realize that this is exactly what God has done for you. Listen, you were born, I was born, we were born sinners, strangers to God. We weren't born children of God. We weren't born citizens of heaven. We were born as foreigners. We were born as strangers. We were born as those outside the kingdom of God, outside the family of God. And yet God saw us not as strangers to be despised, not as enemies to be done away with, but as people who simply had not become family yet. And to win us, to to turn us into family, he sent his own son, he gave his, his best, not a napkin, not a meal, not a hotel, but a son who lived in our place righteously where we could not, who died in our place under the judgment of God sacrificially so that we would not have to, who rose from the dead and said, if you grab a hold of me, I will take you to where I'm from. Didn't Jesus say, in my Father's house there are many rooms? I go to prepare a place for you. You don't belong there. I'm not from there. But God is in the business of turning strangers into family. Listen to me on this. You will never meet another person. I don't care where they're from. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how they vote. You will never meet another person who is farther from you than you are from God before knowing Jesus. Do you hear that? You are never going to meet another person. I don't care where they're from. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what their politics are. You will never meet another person who is farther from you than you and I were once from God. And yet God saw us not as people to run away from or despise, but as people to love. So when the writer says it is inherently, distinctly Christian, he's saying, aren't we people who have been shaped by the hospitality of God? Hasn't that changed our eternal destinies? But here's the second reason. The writer says, you also never know what God is up to. He says, at the end of the verse, he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. He is not saying, by the way, that angels go around undercover, and if you have enough people over your house, you'll have one. If you start applying an angel test to house guests, no one's going to want to come over, okay? He's referencing a passage from the book of Genesis, Genesis 18. When Abraham and Sarah welcome in three men, they take care of them, they show them hospitality, and it turns out those three men are angels on a mission from God. What the writer is saying is you never know what God is up to. You never know what God is up to. You know, we're always saying, how come we see miraculous things in the Bible and we don't see them today? Might it be that the miraculous things of God are often pointing at strangers who need to become family? How do you know that when you knock on that door and say, I'm embarrassed to say this, I don't know your name, here's some brownies and an apology, how do you know that person wasn't praying that morning, God, if you're out there, would you show me you're real? You see, hospitality turns the backyard into a holy place. It turns the living room into the arena of the story of God. Because God is in the business of turning strangers into family. The writer isn't commanding us, show hospitality. He's inviting us. He's saying, don't miss the chance to be part of what God is doing this summer. Set another place at the table. Invite another family to the barbecue. Stop hiding behind. We need family time or life is so busy. Look, you don't have to be hospitable every moment of the day. It's okay to circle the wagons. It's okay to have rest. It's okay to have time as a family. Don't, you don't have to go from zero to 100. But God is saying, do something. Join me. Watch what I do. Watch what I do. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Don't miss the chance this summer for God to use you to turn strangers into brothers. Not only will they gain, but so will you, as anyone who's made a brother will tell you. Let me pray for us. Father God, what an incredible heart you have that though we are strangers, you did not despise us, run from us, circle up the angels and point fingers at us and say, we're what's wrong with the world. You came running towards us. Holy Spirit, would you give us hearts like yours? Would you rinse out our eyes from the way we're being told constantly to see people? Would you instead give us the eyes of Hebrews 13? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.